Good morning. My name is Jay Rosenthal, and I'm the Managing Director of Business of Cannabis. Welcome back to the Cannabis Daily Show for Wednesday, February 16th. Since 2017, Business of Cannabis has highlighted the companies, brands, people, and trends driving the cannabis industry, and that's what we look to do here every day. After a rundown of the key stories we're following, we'll get to our BOC Live segment today, where today we'll be joined by Connor McNamee. He's the CEO of West Boulevard Cannabis in Vancouver. We'll talk about all that they are doing. We'd love to hear from you in the comments below, and always feel free to visit us at businessofcannabis.com, as well as through all our social channels, Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram, and please do subscribe to our YouTube channel. All the links are below. A few announcements. February 24th, we will be reconvening our retail series with a focus on the new guidance from regulators between uh, on the relationship between brands and retailers in Ontario. That's presented by Leafly and Vitrina Group. On March 10th, we will be in Brooklyn for Business of Cannabis New York Sessions, where we'll be talking about connecting social equity licensees with capital. That's presented by Vicente Setterberg and Leafly. And then April 6th, we will be at Business of Cannabis Miami and in uh, Miami Beach. Uh, if you take a visit to our website and click the link below, Below, you can see our latest announcement around speakers. For today's stories, why a cannabis drinks entrepreneur left LA for New York City, Cresco Labs social justice doc to screen at South by Southwest, and how Apple quietly changed its cannabis policies last year. After raising $27 million in its latest Series A funding round, CAN co-founder Jack Bullock left the West Coast for New York, this according to Insider. Now, what's the deal with CAN? Well, celebrities Rosario Dawson, Nina Dobrev, and Adam Levine have all invested in the company. It's co-founded by 33-year-old Jack Bullock, who left California to launch in New York City. And the low-dose THC and CBD drinks are grapefruit, rosemary, and lemon lavender flavors, so very adult. They'll be available in New York, Connecticut, New Jersey once stores open up. And they're already in my home state of Massachusetts. And even though they founded the company in LA in 2018, they're following the next big market, which is New York, quote, that's where this energy is going to be for at least the next two years. The best consumer brands in our eyes are the ones that are successful in LA and New York. If you want to learn more about New York, join us in Brooklyn on March 10th. For our second story, The Sentence of Michael Thompson, a short documentary about the longest-serving nonviolent offender in Michigan history, is produced by uh, MSO Cresco Labs, will have its world premiere at the Santa Barbara Film Festival and screen at South by Southwest, South by Southwest this year, according to Cannabis Business Times. Now, a little bit about Michael Thompson. In 1994, he was arrested after a friend-turned-police informant tipped authorities off to a sale of three pounds of cannabis. He was sentenced to 42 to 60 years in prison. He remained in prison even after Michigan legalized adult-use cannabis. And the film follows Thompson's daughter and lawyers' efforts to expunge his conviction. For our final story, in a move Forbes is calling monumental, last summer Apple joined Amazon in updating its policies, in this case allowing apps to sell and deliver cannabis to be downloaded from its app store. How is it legal? Well, the policy states that any apps that are used to sell cannabis, quote, are used to exclusively license legal entities and strictly require geofencing within the legal jurisdiction, meaning it takes equal amounts of state compliance know-how and technical savvy, like that of fintech specialist Artis Intel, to make it happen. Apple's shift paves the way for further mainstreaming of cannabis, quote, compliant and lawful participation in the cannabis ecosystem is paramount to widespread, widespread mainstream adoption. Those are the stories we're watching today. Join 10,000 others to catch all these stories in your inbox every day at 7 a.m. Eastern with our Cannabis Daily Newsletter. 
Coming up on BOC Live, a conversation with Connor McNamee. He's the CEO of West Boulevard Cannabis, the first microprocessing and cannabis manufacturing facility approved by the city of Vancouver and the first culinary cannabis facility in all of Canada. Hear their story right now. Connor, thanks for being here. Thanks, Jay. I appreciate it. I'm excited to have you. Before we sort of dive into sort of the who, what, when, where of West Boulevard, tell us a little bit about you, Connor, and maybe how you got to it. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. Uh, I mean, first name is Connor, last name is McNamee. Um, Been in the cannabis industry for about six or seven years now. And uh, I'm the CEO of West Boulevard Cannabis, which is located in Vancouver, British Columbia. Um, I'm in consume, I'm a consumer, I'm a food lover, and uh, I have, we have a big intention of intersecting the, the two things. Tell, tell me a little bit about sort of the, the, what is West Boulevard and sort of what's the vision and sort of what gap are you filling? Because I think, well, there's lots of gaps to fill in cannabis, but talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're uh, our intention is to kind of focus on a niche segment of the market that's not really represented yet. Um, primarily being cannabis in the culinary side. So we've envisioned developing um, our intention of a, a microprocessing license, approaching it in a unique way and really specifying on, on cannabis in the culinary side. So we fought really hard to get into Vancouver, British Columbia here, um, born and raised. A lot of our cannabis background comes from the city of Vancouver and we definitely wanted to represent, but it was important that we had a, uh, an expression of what cannabis might look like um, in the near future. So we fought really hard to get in with the city. Um, we're the first here and we're the first among Canada to really focus on the culinary side. Talk a little bit about what that means. Like, what are you, what are you looking to do? Is it, is it like a regular kitchen where I can come in and eat? What's, what's the setup? Like, what's the, what's the game plan? Well, it's nothing public facing. So, I mean, we are 100% compliant. So what it is, is we've kind of, designed our R&D license um, in a way that we can have a hybrid use of it. So uh, traditionally speaking, your R&D license is associated with your intended use of products. Our products are being the culinary side. So the intended use has to do with dining and cannabis. So we've kind of developed a very unique um, office that duels is kind of like a test kitchen as well as a tasting room. It allows us to create culinary content on site um, for the educational purposes. So a lot of what we're really trying to do here is not only create like a, a product line that really helps individuals cook with cannabis, but we also want to create content that really supports different consumers, whether they're experienced and want to cook with cannabis or whether they've never really used cannabis and they're looking for an easy, accessible pathway, pathway to kind of use cannabis in their, in their daily use. So the, the facility is, is designed to support these initiatives. I like it. Who are the, tell me about that sort of, tell me about the team. We know, we now know you. Tell, tell me about the rest of the rest of the team and sort of what you're building there. Yeah. So um, I'm very fortunate to actually be working with a, with a handful of friends that I grew up with. Um, I know that it's actually somewhat common in the cannabis space to kind of be building from coming into the legacy side, as well as kind of taking that core team. So I'm very fortunate that uh, a handful of my partners I did grow up with. Uh, first being uh, Nico Thomas, he's our CMO. He's got a great background in events and marketing within the city. 
um, Brad Quebron, he's our COO, and he's got incredible background when it comes to operations and logistics. He used to work for Ted, um, phenomenal company. So we were able to pull him out and start working with us on the concept, as well as uh, Kaylee Weinberg. Um, she is a Red Seal chef. She's a tea sommelier. Um, got a really extensive background when it comes to traveling and the culinary side. And we, we're just kind of like a hot pot mix of, of food focused consumers, you know, individuals that are really excited about what we're working with here. So we came together over the last three years to really push this intention with the city of Vancouver, create the narrative. We have a unique uh, situation here because none of us have cultivation or extraction backgrounds. And we actually didn't want to participate in traditional manufacturing practices like within cannabis. So we're, we're really here to focus on the consumer packaged goods side and that being in different product niche segments that haven't really been addressed yet. So um, kind of combining all of our efforts and our intentions in the space, we've, we've put this together today. It's interesting because uh, I think this is, I hope this is a trend. I think consumers hope it's a trend and it sounds like it is is that, um, you know, we had the first wave of, say, edibles, right, and, and sort of food products on cannabis shelves. And they were, they all sort of fit, um, I'm using the term mold, but they all fit the same mold, uh, both figuratively and literally, a lot of like hyper sweet things, a lot of like, super sweet, like watermelony type flavors. And right. I think what we've seen in other markets, especially Colorado and California, but even a bit here now in Canada, like the more refined flavors, right? The more grown up sort of approaches to this. And I think that is super exciting. Talk a little bit about sort of that landscape that you're seeing out there as well and sort of how you want to plug into that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, great point. When we travel to California or Colorado, we're always so impressed about like the diversity in the products that they offer. Um, we hope Canada one day is obviously going to follow suit. Regulations will change. It'll it'll allow more innovation and creativity in the space and creating product segments that like are just, you know, bizarre to the Canadian market now. Um, but I do see it coming. So for where we're trying to fit is it's kind of twofold. You know, we have a utilitarian approach to creating a product line. So it's it's very traditional. It's using ingredients that people are very accustomed to. So it, it helps people have like a diverse catalog of cooking with cannabis. But on the flip side, you know, we want to really elevate certain products um, that are slowly starting to be represented now in the market. I'm seeing a lot, a ton of innovation, creativity coming out of Ontario, um, uh, you know, and a wonderful mix of things that are coming out of BC. So I, I think the edible industry is starting to really evolve and becoming more popular. Um, I'm excited. I'm just simply excited. I mean, first and foremost, we're consumers and we're fans, right? So when we don't look at it as a competition because we don't directly compete with really anybody in the space, we've, we've really picked our own lane and really stuck to it. Um, so we get to cheer everyone on. You don't have any biases. So um, to be honest, it, it's really cool to see everything changing for a positive way. Yeah, and it's, a, it's sort of an evolution, of course, the industry, but also the consumer which doesn't really end like you're talking about California and Colorado. Like when we talk to people there, like a, the regulations are never stable, but like neither are the consumers. The consumers are always looking for what is next and what is new. And we certainly in Ontario are looking to what's new and interesting down there, but also we've always looked West to sort of what the cannabis feature looks like. And the city of Vancouver is sort of the, the heart and soul of that. Is that, that's sort of the, that's who you are to the core, but also really where the industry is here in Canada. No. Yeah, I mean, I would agree. I'm born and raised in Vancouver. So, I mean, I've seen I've seen the market develop in the gray space as well as the legal legal space. And I mean, I've, I've always been a complete fan of the quality that comes out of the province. 
Yeah. Talk a little about sort of what you are most excited about as sort of with the venture, with the with the venture you're in, but also the the facility. Talk a little bit about sort of where you'd love this conversation we're having a year from now, say, like what do, what do you yeah. think will have transpired? What are you really excited about? Um, what I hope to is, is, is honestly, is just be a, um, a steadfast um, representative for, for kind of the culinary space. We've, we have kind of pushing back to kind of like our innovative um, eclectic tool belt that we like to call it. It's where these ingredients are going to be able to be used and, and integrated into any, anybody's type of culinary space. So what I envision a year from now, because as as you know, Jay, we're not we're not revenue generating yet. We're just around the corner Who with is? our sales amendment. So boring. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but that being said, I mean, our whole intention is that we're uh, we really represent the intersection between culinary and cannabis. You know, we want individuals um, or consumers to really understand that West Boulevard does produce um, different products under under our umbrella that really help individuals cook with cannabis. So. Uh, a year from now, I want I want our ability to our educational content, I should I should say, um, to be a really good representative of how these individuals can cook with cannabis. I would like that too, because I need all the help I can get. <laughs> well, what, like like t- talk about so that I want to ask about sort of the unique sort of West Boulevard. What's unique about sort of what West Boulevard is doing in the test kitchen? Talk a little bit about that specifically, because I think it's so interesting. It's sort of how you're sort of thinking about it and approaching it. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a slight gap in the market. I think um, our R&D license really associates with sensory testing. So that's for like taste and smell and, yeah. um, and touch and sight. So what we want to be able to do is utilize our facility in a way where we can get consumer feedback um, from the products that we're about to put to market. Um, we hear a lot of stories in the industry about um, different companies working with different producers, and they don't really get to test the product till it hits the shelf. And for us, I mean, as consumers, and especially as, as, as business operators trying to, to give the best quality that we can to the market, it, it seems a little counterproductive to not understand how these products land with either your management team or your network or just, or just consumers. So the facility is, is almost this landing pad where we get to like innovate, um, produce these products, um, test them and see how they really land with, um, with our network and then kind of reevaluate to get ready to market. So it's like a loop system. You know, we really work with the feedback that comes from the individuals that are looking into our products. So we get to really hone in our craft and, and, and get it to a point where we know that consumers are going to be able to really work with it and enjoy it. Um, I think that's the focus point. Yeah, it's interesting so because, because there, 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 there really wasn't, it's like you had to not cobble together, but like be very creative with the regulations in order to even do what yeah. you're doing or think about it in a slightly different way, where some of the first to market, like they would produce product, get them on shelves, and then the first time they could really try them, it's actually buy them and try them, right? And then get the feedback from customers who already bought the product as opposed to doing proper product testing or product evaluation or product R&D, which is sounds like that's sort of the, what you guys are uh, planning for. Pretty much, you know, I just think it's, it's, it's such a deterrent, you know, it's like you, you're putting so much effort, you, you've raised so much capital, it's such a competitive landscape. And then these products hit shelves and, and there wasn't enough uh, natural kind of feedback coming from how they were working. So for us, it's like we, we really saw different gaps, um, kind of, you know, moving back over to what this whole facility is about is we don't cultivate or process on site. 
So it allows us to have really uh, interesting relationships with, um, with the comp competition or all other producers in the space is because we get to work with them to do different formulations. We're purchasing some of our input oils and then we're kind of bringing everything on site to kind of reformulate and put into different product lines. So it helps us focus on branding. It helps us focus on uh, consumer feedback. It helps us re-innovate our product line. And it kind of takes the attention away from having to deal with cultivation or processing. So we're really, really focusing on that consumer feedback, the way products are landing and the way they're working with consumers. That's really how we focus on that. And part of the reason why we were here in, uh, in Vancouver, especially here on, on um, 7th and Ontario in the brewery district is because we want to be part of our community. You know, like I'm surrounded by like incredible um, breweries as well as like coffee shops and bakeries. And we wanted to join that conversation. I think that's kind of what's missing in Canada right now is the fact that like cannabis should be integrated into kind of a city format. It should be looked at as something like a brewery or a, or a coffee shop. So it's, it's about developing that and being the first expression of, of that kind of unified front of being in the craft space, especially here in Vancouver. I love it. That's like the full Vancouver lineup. It's like craft brew, bakery, coffee, and weed. That's like, there you that, go. That's, that's, that's a the, Sunday walk. That's, that's, that's what you do on Sunday. That's what you do on Sunday. <laughs> that's right. That sounds like the best day ever. Um, Connor, I want to thank you for making time. Good luck with, with West Boulevard. Um, and uh, we look forward to visiting with you uh, when we're in Vancouver I don't know when that will be, but at some point we'll uh, we'll take a trip out west, hopefully during the winter so we can ski and visit you. And that would really put breweries, bakeries, coffee, weed, and skiing. That's really the, the holy grail. Absolutely, Jay. I, I really look forward to it. Great. Thanks so we'd much. Have, we'd be happy to host you and have a good day. I'm, bu I'm booking the flight now, then. Sounds good. Okay. I'll meet you at the airport. <laughs> That was episode 29 of the Cannabis Daily Show. Thank you for joining us here on YouTube or wherever you joined us. Please do subscribe if it wasn't on YouTube and we will see you tomorrow.